0: Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 820, 945, and 1110. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-prez.org. And please open your Bibles or grab the Bible in the pew rack in front of you as together we look at Acts chapter 3, Peter's second sermon in Jerusalem now. Acts chapter 3, verses 11 through twenty-two, twenty-one. 21, excuse me. Hear the word of the Lord. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us? As if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets saying that his Messiah would suffer, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. Lord, we thank you for your word. We know that it's possible for you to speak to us. We know that we can hear from you. Lord, help us to know that in hearing from you and in believing, we can be forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what do you do to rest and refresh? I asked the staff this week to list a few things they do to rest and refresh, to recuperate from work. They said, oh, I I watch a game. Uh, Sometimes I go to a movie. Sometimes I take a nap. And then one staff person said, I like to align all staff members, volunteers, and ministry teams to use resources and energies most effectively to prepare all generations to impact lives for Christ. (laughs) That was the best answer. We all agreed. What do you do to... uh, To unwind, what do you do to allow the gears of the machinery of your heart to, to cool off? How do you rest? How do you refresh? Sometimes we're so overworked, our vacations become a little desperate. We think, I need this vacation to work, I must relax. It's like when you're lying in bed at night before a big day and you know you need a good night's sleep and you're lying there with your eyes wide open just saying, sleep, sleep, sleep. You walk around through your vacation saying, relax, relax, relax. Reminded of that movie uh, pretty long ago now, City Slickers. And Billy Crystal's character was off to refresh himself. He desperately needed his vacation to work, but it wasn't working. He got wrapped up in all kinds of trouble out west at the Dude Ranch, you know. And every time he got into trouble, he would say the same thing. Each time things turned bad, he yelled, But I'm on vacation! <laughs> It's hard to find refreshment for our souls. If I asked you to write a list of the things that you do to refresh your soul, if I asked you to write a list of the things you do to rest, how low down that list would I find the word repent? R-E-P-E-N-T. Would it even make the list? But that's just what Peter says we need today, that's what our passage argues. We're looking for the way of life found in Jesus as we study these sermons in Acts. And we're finding along the way that the bankruptcy of the competing ways of life are also found as we follow the way of life of Jesus. We, we found in Peter's sermon in Pentecost that living in God's presence beats living as practical atheists. We've seen that the way of life beats the way of death. Last week we learned that living with Jesus as our Lord and Messiah beats trying to be our own little lords. Remember, uh, Peter concluded his Pentecost sermon at verse 36, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Now we don't get confused by that word made, It isn't that God created a Messiah out of a normal man named Jesus of Nazareth, but by raising him from the dead, God proclaimed, God declared, God proved that Jesus is Lord and Savior. And so it's better for us to follow him than to try to be our own lords. And today, today, along with Peter, along with scripture, I'm going to try to make the argument that repentance is better than pleasure seeking. I'm going to make the. I'm not alone with Peter with Scripture. I'm going to make the argument as your pastor that confession beats hedonism. You say good luck, pastor. You know, go ahead. Tell me good luck. Good luck, pastor. Thank you. I appreciate. It. I need it. I'm gonna make the argument this morning that better than a rich meal with fine wine, better than a spa day with your friends, better than box seats at the Broncos game, better than an all-expense trip to Cancun, Mexico. I better stop there, right? (laughs) Friends, better then all the pleasures we can find for ourselves in this world is humble repentance and the forgiveness of our sins before God. Confession. This is the way of life. Peter must have still been processing the events of Pentecost. Remember, unsure and unprepared, he stood up and opened his mouth and preached and explained what was going on. The next thing you know, 3,000 people got baptized and joined the church. This Jesus movement, almost over, was now exploding. And Peter and his friend John had just moved through the beautiful gate at the temple and healed a lame man. He said, if you want to look back at verse six, Peter looked at the man and said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, walk. And the man stood up and he walked. And everybody knew him from all these years of begging. And he was leaping and he was dancing, he was running into the temple and everybody could see what was going on and he's clinging to Peter and John and that's what drew a crowd. The work of the Spirit, once again, is drawing a crowd. And so Peter, again, has to explain what's going on. It isn't our power, It's God's power. Again, Peter has to tell the truth. It isn't about me. What you see here in this healed and saved and forgiven man, what you see is the power of Jesus. Let's read it together. Verses 13 to 16. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life but God raised him from the dead we are witnesses of this by faith in the name of Jesus this man whom you see and know was made strong it is Jesus name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see you killed Jesus Peter says you know, that's not a nice thing to say. This is, for Peter, this is not a, a nice sermon. He tells them the truth. You, you killed the author of life. And the crowd's thinking, we didn't, what do you mean? We didn't kill anybody. But no, they did. They did. And we did. That's the truth for them. It's the truth for us. Don't you realize we're in the crowd? We've turned away from Jesus. We've, we've killed Jesus. Jesus went to the cross because of our sins. Jesus died because of our disobedience, yours and mine. We, we killed Jesus. But Peter doesn't offer condemnation. Even for these unbelieving, cynical temple leaders who led the way in getting Jesus arrested and killed. Peter doesn't condemn them, but he offers them a way out. He says, you killed him, you killed him. But I know that you didn't know what you were doing when it happened. Now that you do know the truth, Peter says, repent. And verse 19, our key verse, repent. Then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Repent, he says. What a wonderful word. <laughs> Don't we love that word? We heard last week about that word. It just means turn around, a change of mind. Stop going the direction you're going and start going the opposite direction. Stop walking away from God, whether you knew you were walking away from God or not. Stop walking away from God and turn and and begin to walk toward God. Quit the disobedient things in your life and start the obedient things. Stop following after your own rules and habits and methods of pleasing yourself and start following after God's rules and, and loves and ways. Repent and be forgiven of your sins. There is forgiveness available. Turn to God so that your sins, it says, may be wiped out. Your sins may be wiped away so you can come clean. And why? Peter adds why? So that times of refreshing can come from the Lord. Now how does Peter know all this is possible? Let's review. Peter first met Jesus when he was on his fishing boat and Jesus said, would you help me? I'm preaching to the crowd. And Jesus taught from Peter's boat and then miraculously, he filled the boat with a haul of fish. Peter dropped the nets at Jesus' command and more fish came into the boat than ever he had seen before in all of his career. And the boat was filled, do you remember, with these flopping, slimy fish. And Peter, he, he sort of clambers over them and he hits his knees in front of Jesus. And he says to Jesus at Luke 5, verse 8, Jesus, go away from me. As soon as he knew who Jesus was, he said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. But Peter learned Jesus doesn't need perfect. He needs penitent. Later, Peter is the one who stepped out of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But he faltered when he saw the wind and the waves and he started to sink and he called out to Jesus, Lord, save me. And he was saved again by the hand of the Lord. Jesus doesn't need powerful. He needs prayerful. And later when Jesus was being arrested, it's Peter who grabbed the sword and he swung it at this helpless slave and he hacked off his ear and Jesus had to, you know, restore the thing and pick it up and put it back on. And Peter learned Jesus doesn't need force. He needs faith. Peter, by today, could have been fairly confident and prideful just a, a little time ago, he had preached and, and brought in 3,000 to be baptized. You could feel pretty good about that. And now he and his friend John are walking through the temple and somehow they see this man and they just feel like Jesus wants to do something and they, they tell him, I'm not going to give you silver, I'm not going to give you gold, I'm going to give you the name of Jesus. And in giving him the name of Jesus, he's healed, He's restored. And so now Peter and John are standing in the light of Solomon's colonnade like a couple of prophets. I mean, they are religious rock stars. They're at the head of the movement. Their Twitter following is exploding. The podcast is on fire, right? Ride the wave. But Peter remembers. He can't get too proud. He remembers how he told Jesus. Jesus, the rest of them, they might fall, but you can count on me. All the rest, they might fall away, but I'll be there, Jesus. I'll be there with you to the bitter end. And then he watched as Jesus was beaten, as he was falsely accused, as he was flogged, whipped, carried away by the soldiers, and Peter remembers. He remembers how he denied the man three times, and and he looked across a courtyard, and his eyes met Jesus' eyes, and just as they looked at each other, the cock crowed, and Peter's heart sank like a stone. And every day, he wakes up, and every day, he hears a rooster crow. And he can't help but remember the look in his master's eyes. But Peter remembers another morning, you know. He remembers another morning too. When after all was said and done, the resurrected Lord Jesus came to him and sat with him at a fire on the beach and they ate fish together. And Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? And Peters. Oh Lord, you know, you know I do. I love you, Lord. And in that moment, all that he had done wrong, all of his failing, it was all restored. It was all redeemed. Jesus said, that's over now. That's behind us. I can use you. I don't, need, I don't need force. I need faith. I don't need perfect. I need penitent. I don't need powerful. I need prayerful. Peter, if you'll bend the knee before me, I can forgive you, restore you, redeem you, and use you to build my kingdom. And that's all behind. And so Peter now stands. stands. And he looks out across the crowd and he says, all can be forgiven, all can be restored. No, it's not too late for you. It's not too late. Even as Peter looked at the guiltiest in the guilty crowd, he thought, no, it is not too late for you to be restored. If I know Jesus, if he forgave me, he can forgive you. It is not too late. Come and repent and turn and be restored. Repent. Repent and confess your sins. You think, man, I, this is why I don't come to church. You just want me to feel bad. You want me to feel ashamed and, and guilty, and I don't need that. You know, I don't need that in my life. No, I don't. I don't. I don't want you to feel guilty. I don't want you to feel ashamed. I don't want you to feel burdened. I want you, I want you to come clean. I want you to get over your pride and hit your knees and tell Jesus the truth. Forgiveness is possible. There's no burden like the burden of sin and there is no refreshment for your soul like the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. How do you refresh? Another ball game won't do it. Another drink is not going to do it. Another night in front of the the computer screen, the TV, is not going to heal your soul. But Jesus can. David wrote in Psalm 32, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, he said, I was rotting inside. The weight of it just kept me down. But when I confessed my sins to the Lord, he forgave the guilt of my sin, forgiveness is possible, friends. Forgiveness is possible and it brings incredible freedom, joy, healing, redemption, wholeness, salvation, refreshment for your soul. How long would you prefer to chase pleasures of your own pursuits how long would you prefer to believe that it's possible to satisfy your soul by chasing pleasures of this world how long before you believe god's ways are better god's rules are better for you you can come clean with jesus christ and know forgiveness how long before you join like charles wesley the great the great hymn writer and worship leader and proclaim with him and with all forgiven christians my chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. How do we get there? I want to follow Peter's way. He started by telling the truth. That's how you get there. He told the truth. You killed the author of life. That's pretty bad. That's the truth. Start with the truth and run to Jesus. As long as we practice lying and deception, as long as we we confidently cover up and manage our sins, as long as I'm lying about my sin to others, lying about my sin to God, lying about my sin to myself, as long as I do that, my bones are rotting inside me. The weight of my conscience is like a July sun bearing down. It presses down on me every day. Every morning I rise to hear the rooster crow my sins again. But I come to Jesus, and I confess, and refreshment comes. It's John Wesley, uh, Charles's older, more famous brother, who says he came to Christ late in his life, actually long after he had already been an ordained minister. He wrote this in his journal, he said in the evening, He's back in London after a failed attempt at ministry in the New World, I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate Street where someone was reading Luther's preface to the Epistle to the Romans. About a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone, for my salvation and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. Friends, it's one thing to believe that Jesus takes away sins. It's another thing entirely to come to know and believe that Jesus has taken away my sins. Repent. Confess that times of refreshment can come. How long do we seek our own pleasures to satisfy ourselves? Usually we do that, by the way, by disregarding God's rules for a healthy and joyful life. Trying something else. We're good at it. I've never had anyone come to my office and say, Pastor, I just don't know how to pursue worldly pleasures. Could you give me a hint, just a place to start? I just, no, we're, we're, we're good at that. But then do we feel refreshed? Do we feel restored when we pursue our own superficial worldly pleasures? Do we feel our inner being vitalized? Or could it be that God's rules are better, that God's way is right, that we will be disturbed and, and in unrest until we trust in Jesus Christ and know his grace and forgiveness. Friends, there are chains that come upon us. In our little disobedient ways, our harmless pleasure-seeking, our little choices, our little thoughts, they become little habits. And before we know it, the little habits have become chains. And before we even know that they're there, they've bound us. And they're so heavy that we can't get out of them. And They clamor so loud and they're clanking we can't even hear God calling us to a better way of life. Forgive. Forgiveness met in Jesus Christ. Grace. Repent and confess your sins. And he is able. Our God is able. Jesus is able to forgive you of all of your sins, to unlock the chains of your soul and to help you to stand up and to walk free and dance in the presence of God of God, for it is not by our power, said Peter, that this man walks, but by the power of the name of Jesus Christ, this man is made strong. Lord, we thank you that in your mercy, you do not let us linger long in error. We know, Jesus, that you hate to see our souls in chains, that you despise every moment that we are bound in disobedience. And so, Lord, give us courage to call out in the name of Jesus to come clean, to confess, to hit the knees and to believe in your grace and forgive us and help us to rise up and to walk. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Press podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at first-press.org.